Here we are in Exodus chapter 31, verse 16 to start with. Go there with me, please. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Shabbat, or Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. This is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him, that's Moses, God speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Now, meanwhile, back in the camp. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, which is an appropriate place for your earrings, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned with it an engraving tool, and made a molded calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they arose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. You pray with me, please. Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege of being able to assemble in this room. I thank you for the pleasure of every person that you've brought here. I thank you for my brothers. I thank you for my sisters. I thank you for those, Lord, that are here that are trying to figure out what in the world is going on and how could this be church? I thank you, Lord, that this is about you, Jesus. And Jesus, you told us that you are written in the volume of the book that all scriptures come to the end at you. And Jesus thank you so much for what you're doing to us. How you've taken us from being dead to bringing us to life just like you did when you died on the cross for our sins just like the Scripture had promised. Was buried and literally rose again just like your Scripture promised and now have offered us new life. And for so many of us we've said yes. Thank you for that new life. Thank you Jesus. You're not just for saving in the world for fun. You are for saving and you've come to give us life and life abundant. We pray, Lord, we would have that experience here in this room. We'd have so much fun in your word. We'd be able to laugh and cry or whatever it is that you want to do to us through this word now. Minister to us. Make this real. Make this personal. Get it to us, Lord, in a way that our ears could be unstopped, our hearts could be open, our minds could be open to receive. And God, that you would speak profoundly to each one of us today, that your word would burst open and come alive 
before us. So please do so, I pray. God, I pray right now for every one of us that You would truly and profoundly have Your work with us. Fill me, Lord, with Your Spirit. Immerse me in Your Spirit that I would disappear and You would appear. And fill me to overflowing that You would spill Yourself all over every person here. And if there be any who have yet to say yes to You, let today be the day of their salvation, I pray, as we commit this time to You now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please, and I'm sure you can almost say it word for word, don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true if I say so. Search the Scriptures. Let the Bible always have the final say. Now, this is where we start this. Moses has been up on a mountain for 40 days. During those 40 days, at the very beginning of them, and let me go back even before that. We're going to go back and back and back. God had spoken before that, when He spoke the Ten Commandments as we know them, do you remember where Moses was? He was at the bottom of the mountain with all of the other people at the bottom of the mountain. And how many of those people heard that commandment from God? All of them. And during that time, they distanced themselves, the people, and made a proxy. That means, you go instead of me. Let's let the expert handle that. And so, from where we were all listening to the voice of God, to where it's like, you know what, actually, let's let Chris handle that. I think he's got a good relationship with God. Chris, you go and tell us what God says. Now, already you see a problem. It'll be the same issue you'll find with Peter right before he denies Jesus. He starts distancing himself first. Now, we've been following a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And when Chris, or in this case, more appropriately, Moses, goes up the mountain, the pillar moves over and it's this big, powerful thing that it's lightnings and thunders and earthquakes, and that freaks us out, and appropriately so. So we back off a little bit more, and we just let Moses disappear into the scary dark cloud. That cloud is not left for those 40 days. You never have to ask, where did the cloud go? The cloud's been there the whole time. That cloud we knew was the cloud that we said, where's God? It's right there. Pretty simple. The problem is, though we see the cloud, we don't see the Moses. There's our problem. Now, let me go back before that. For 430 years, 430 years, we've been slaves. That's you, your grandmother, your great-grandmother. They've all been slaves. Now, let me ask you, intelligently, how many days a week do you think a slave works? Seven. Why would you give a slave a day off? I mean, you're humanitarian. You would be kinder. But you get the idea. A slave, by the way, wasn't even considered a human being. How many days do you use your iPhone? You ever think, I should give it a day off? Some of you, like me, may think I should give me a day off from my electronic leash. So go back with me. 
2013. It was just 30 years ago. That's 1983. Out of curiosity, how many of you were born in between 1983 and today? Raise your hand. Oh, hold them high. Hold them high. Don't be afraid. Do you realize that's about half of our fellowship? Just thought I'd let you know that. In 1983, guys were growing their hair long and singing high. Yeah! That was guys. Girls were cutting their hair short and singing low. Right? That was, that was, that was kind of how that worked out back then. Guys looked like lions and gals looked like female lions, I guess. Right? 1983, U2 was big. Well, okay, they were big for like decades. That really doesn't say much, does it? In the 80s, that was the beginning of MTV, where guys wore women's shirts because that made them mod. That hasn't changed much, has it? Now they wear the jeans, too. Okay, some things really don't change much. 30 years ago, in 1983, there was this girl who knelt down beside her bed listening to the YouTube boy album and prayed to receive Jesus as her Lord and Savior 30 years ago. That was Suzanne, for which I'm extremely thankful. But it wasn't 30 years ago. It was 430 years ago. There's a bit of a difference between now and 430 years ago. 430 years ago, just out of those of you who are historians, who was, who was the monarch in charge? Does anyone know? Queen Elizabeth I. Look at that. You were so close. You had a gal. Um, 430 years ago, Shakespeare had not released his first play, which was Henry VI, which will be released in about 97 years later. He had had the daughter Susanna, by the way, interestingly enough, to Anne Hathaway. The Thames River was the border of decency. You would not go south of the border. Now, coming from California, we kind of get that, don't go south of the border. But south of the Thames, well, that was where the theaters were. That was where the houses of prostitution were. That was where the bear baiting houses were, where they would tie up bears and put raw meat on them and then release wild dogs, and they would bet to see who won, the bear or the dog. It's a pretty wild environment. Although, let's be honest, if that was on YouTube, it would have at least 10 million hits. It would go viral. That was 430 years ago. Israel will not, Israel, I'm sorry, America will not be a nation independently for nearly 200 years. That's a crazy thought. So for 400 of those years, we've been slaves. For 400 of those years, we've never had a day off. How do you think, I haven't had a day off in two weeks? Imagine one of these Israelites would say, I haven't had a day off in 400 years. Now that's a little different. That's what you knew. But let me tell you what else you knew. Everything was visible, touchable. They believed that every God would manifest, and the way that he would manifest is in an idol. 
So you built something. It's like if you build it, he'll come. You build it, he'll show up in it, kind of is the idea. And one of their gods, the god of battle, was the god Apis. And Apis was identified as a cow, because let's be honest, how scary is that? It's frightening just to think of it. But for whatever reason, Egypt was drawn to that cow. And they worshipped that cow. And not only did they worship that cow, so did the Israelites for 430 years. One manner or another, they have now evolved into that. This is what you knew. You know what it's like to wake up in the morning and your life is not your own. You knew what it was like to wake up in the morning and somebody else told you what your day was going to be. No matter what you wanted to do, it didn't matter. No matter how strong your desire was, something else had a final say and you could not change it. And you bore the marks all over your body from how wicked that taskmaster was. That's what you've known. Some of you know that with the evil taskmasters you had before you came to Jesus. And you bear the marks on your arms or on your legs or elsewhere in your heart because of the choices you've made. And then God says, it's time to leave. I'm getting you out of here. But everything you've known has been touchable, has been tangible, has been grabbable, has been smellable, has been manipulatable. And now you're going to follow a God that at best is going to be a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night? That's got to be rough. But the good news is we've got a guy to hang on to, Moses. I mean, he's got to have something going on. He's 80 years old. He's taken down Egypt. And with that, he's walking up. He's gone up and down a mountain four different times. He's got something going on. Not too many 80-year-old guys walk up and down a mountain four times. And now he's going to go back up by the next chapter, by the end of this, actually. But he's someone we could kind of touch. He's someone we could kind of listen to. And clearly he listens to God. Clearly he speaks to God. But see, God says, I want you to build me a tabernacle because I want to dwell among all of you, not just him. I don't want this just to be something for the expert guy. And now we see while Moses is up there getting the part where God says, I want to be with you. They already heard God said, I don't want any other gods. That was the first thing. Listen, God says, now that I've gotten you out of that world, hear me, now that I've gotten you out of that world, can I start getting that world out of you? And here's the first thing. The first thing is, I want to be your love. I want to be your Lord. I want to be your life. I want to be your light. Because you haven't had that. And you're like, yeah, but I could touch this. And the light comes on. I want that to be my light. But that light's not going to get you anywhere. Love, I could pay for that. Love, I could try to earn that. God says, I'd rather just give it to you because I love you. And all of a sudden, this weird thing happens where what God is doing is he's yanking out of you all of this filth and this pollution, and this rottenness. And part of it is to show you that He really can take care of you. He really can protect you. And now here we are down at the bottom, and in somewhere between these chapters now and to the end, right here at verse 6, 
people are dancing naked around a cow, a, a piece of gold. Which isn't that strange if you think about the world we live in today. And in that, now follow me as we look at this. Because the goal here is, is as I look at these six chock full vor- verses, how did we get there? How did we start with the idea that God yanked us out? He took down systematically, took down every bit of Egypt, the old world that dominated us, that owned us, that ruled us. And now with all of that, now somehow we want to go back to that slavery. We want to go back to that bad relationship. We want to go back to that addiction. We want to go back, because you know why? Because for 430 years, it's all we've ever known. And as sad as it is, it was home. Here's the interesting thing. is chapter 32. I remind you that until the, about the 500s A.D., this book didn't have chapter markings and, and, and verse markings. That came in the 500s by the Masoretes, which helps us. So I could say, turn to Exodus 32. But if we read it more continually, listen to this. Those verses right before it, verse chapter 31 and verse 16, it says, Now, the children are to keep the Sabbath. Shabbat means rest. Now understand, listen to this God that we have. God makes everything on the sixth day. He makes man, and then he says, can I take the day off and just hang out with you tomorrow? Do you get the idea what kind of God we're dealing with here? He didn't say, tomorrow, now that I've made you, tomorrow, get to work. He said, now that I've made you, let's have a honeymoon. Let's be together. Let's start this this way. That's where it starts. And now God looks and he says, listen, you know how to work yourself to death. You know how to fight to get a relationship, to dull yourself up to get love, to work really hard to get the thing, to strive and to sweat and to lose sleep. You know that. What you don't know how to do is to rest. And understand, this isn't the first time God has said it. So he's reminding us. And can I just say, when you get to Scripture and God is reminding you of something, understand if it's in a narrative passage, in other words, you're reading the story of someone and he's reminding you, there should be a uh-oh going on because you kind of realize God has this habit of reminding you of something and then showing people what happens, showing us what happens when you don't listen to that warning. And he goes, please, please rest with me. Please rest with me. For 400 years, you've never rested. You've never rested. There are no vacations. There are no holidays. And you know what that's like. Look at, you could go and take a trip to Ibiza. You could take a trip to the southern coast of France. But stress doesn't take a holiday when you do. Have you learned that? And you're still fighting to get your things. And you're still figuring out how to maintain that relationship. And you're still struggling to win the favor of this person. And you're doing all of this stuff. And there's no rest there. Have you ever gone on something that was called a holiday? And when you got back, you needed a holiday from your holiday? You're like, I need days to recuperate. Now understand, please hear me on this. God says, please rest with me. And then he says something interesting. Listen to this verse, verse 17. It's a sign between you and me. This is something the rest of the world, and please hear me, this is something the rest of the world is going to look at and go, now that's strange. When the Roman historians started writing the annals about Jerusalem, 
they started writing about these things that were so strange. They wrote, they literally said they've never seen it anywhere else in the world. And one of them is that there is one day set apart for which no man works at all. And when writing that to Rome, they're like, you won't believe this, but there is a day nobody works. Now, let's be honest. In this culture, we could write, there's something strange. There is actually one day when people work. Okay, well, I mean, we go to work, but do we work? Now, that's another story. Now, listen, follow me on this. God says, please, please rest with me. Please rest with me. Stop and just let. And it says, look, at, I did it. God says, this is a sign between, listen, me and the children of Israel forever. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh, interesting words, listen to this. It says, he rested and was refreshed. I mean, you read that. Do you kind of get the idea here? And I, I think this is kind of fun. It's almost like God just was like, oh, whew, do you have any idea how hard it is to make an ocean? Oh, man. Whew. Hold on, I'll be with you in a minute. All right. Uh, you guys, wait in the garden. Oh. The word rested literally in the Hebrew is the word, you ready for this? Shabbat, Sabbath. And God says, on the seventh day, he Sabbath. Now, and then we go, but he was refreshed. The word is the word nefesh. And if you're familiar with Hebrew, it's a very common word. It literally just means he breathed. Now, you know what it's like where you're working so hard at something or something? There are other reasons why you don't, where you just don't, you almost forget to breathe. One of them is concentrating, Right? And by the way, which is really funny because you watched four people who were really concentrating and they have to breathe to sing. And it's kind of a fun, weird thing because it's like, don't forget to breathe. But there is something else that keeps you from breathing too. And you know what it is? When you see a guy for the first time and you forget to breathe. And you go, oh, hi. No, you guys, not, not me. I'm a lot more smooth than that. Anyways, uh, but, <laughs> and, and, and the reason I say that is when something utterly captivates you, it grabs your breath. Does that make sense? And it doesn't even have to be that. Sometimes it can be a beautiful song or a fantastic performance or even if you're into the art, you know, of those kind of arts, a painting or a picture that you just look at and for a moment it's like everything stops, including breathing. And I really love that image. Because I want you to realize what God had just done. God reached down and he scooped. And he scooped and he scooped and he put it in place. And then God went. And it was you. This is the God of Scripture. This was not a God who kind of made something and went. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. No, no, no. Yalla, yalla. This was a God who went. And if you don't believe me, I want to challenge you to look at the book of Revelation. Listen, listen. There are all these judgments taking place. I mean, there are the seal judgments. There are the trumpet judgments. There are the bowl judgments. And some people are like, I don't like the book of Revelation. It's kind of scary. It shouldn't be if you know Jesus because you get box seats to the crazy stuff. Funny, you'll pay to watch World War Z, but you won't. Anyways, you get, but I won't read Revelation. That's kind of scary compared to what? I've said saw four. All right. Now, listen, listen. It says that there is this, in heaven, there are these, there are these four freaky-looking creatures, and they're only weird because you haven't seen them before. 
I mean, really, just to be honest. And, you know, like, they're weird. Well, yeah, they're in heaven. All right. And then there are these elders, these 24 elders, and they're on their knees. They're throwing down their crowns, and they're going, holy, 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 holy. All this is happening. And then the Lamb's coming, and they're going, worthy, 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 holy, 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 worthy, 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 holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy. And all this is going on. And innumerable company of angels, holy, 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 hallelujah, holy, holy, holy. And then we read that there's one moment where there is silence in heaven for like a half hour. And it was the moment when the, the prayers of the saints were poured before God. Listen to this. God's in heaven, and they're going, holy, 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 worthy, 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 holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy. Shh, 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 shh. Lord, can I talk to you for a second? Tell me how important you are to him. And you know what's funny? Here's the crazy part. Is what we could pray at a moment like that, that's got to be almost embarrassing for God. Holy, 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 worthy, 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 holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy. Shh, shh, shh. All right, God, all right, now I lay me down to sleep. All right, God, break that guy and make him move away and send that girl to Siberia. Oh, and can I get an iPhone 5, please? I need it. I think if I were God, I'd be like, you know what, never mind. Go ahead with the worthy, holy stuff, you know? And God says, rest with me, rest with me, rest. Please rest. Can we just... Do you know, what does God have to do to make you rest? For me, sometimes, I'll be honest, He's got to make me sick. I call it a forced Sabbath. You know, if you tell me, oh, Pastor Tony, I'm so busy, I really don't have time for a quiet time with God. I really don't have time, I'm so busy. And I'm like, don't worry, God is really jealous. He'll, he'll fix that. Try, try it with God, see what happens. You don't realize, I've got a lot of things. And all of a sudden, that's like, whoa, I lost my job. Why would God do that to me? Because you didn't have time for him when you worked there. Ooh, that hurts, doesn't it? Look at nothing is more important to God than your relationship with him. Did you get that? And he doesn't want anything in its way. So you're like, you know, I'm busy, and I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do that. God goes, bam! And you're like, oh, I'm just laying in bed. I can't even watch a movie. My eyes hurt. And God goes, you could pray. And you're like, I just can't do anything. You ever have those moments where you're so sick, you can't sit up or do anything, but you're, don't, you feel so rotten, you can't even sleep? It's like purgatory if there ever was a thing. You're like, oh, there's nothing to do. And God's like, hello. You didn't have time for me yesterday. Uh... And God says, rest with me. Don't you find it interesting that happened right before this? So what happens if we don't rest? See, when I'm resting, you know what I'm doing? I'm looking up. All right. Yeah, you're right. I forgot how good quiet was. I forgot. And, and in our house, birds sing outside. I mean, these amazing symphonies, these amazing symphonies, that I won't hear when I'm busy running up and down the steps all day. I sit down, I get quiet, and I hear him sing, and I'm like, oh, God, you're so good. So what happens when you don't? When you don't rest? And let me tell you why. I can't rest because I guarantee you're not, I guarantee you'll never say, I can't rest because I'm too busy working on something eternal. 
I need the temporary thing. And that's what happens here. God says, please rest with me. Please rest with me. And you say, but look at the cloud hasn't moved. The cloud hasn't moved. It isn't like we can't find God. All you have to do is look up. He's there. And we said, no, no, let's let the pastor handle it. He's the one who can go and tell us everything. I don't need to open up the Bible. I don't really need to pray. Let's let him hand it to me. Imagine you're thinking, you know, I don't really need to cook. I'm just going to go to a restaurant. Imagine, and then you order your food, and they serve it, and then you're like, and the waitress or waiter looks and goes, yes. And you're like, cut it and feed me. You're the expert. You're the, aren't you a food server? Serve the food. They would be right to say, you're a nutter. Get out of here. Verse 30, chapter 32, verse 1. Now you see why it's only... Six verses if you're new here. Now when the people stop, I'd like you to think for a second. Can you think of any place in Scripture where a revival happened and it started with people getting together and talking? You know, we were talking and we realized revivals, wow, we're far from God. What you'll find is God has a habit of raising up an irritant. One person or maybe a couple that will say, whoa, 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 we are so far away. The crowd says, crucify him. The crowd says, blessed is you who comes in the name of the Lord, wanting a Messiah, but not the Messiah Jesus is going to be. And that was God's people crowd, not just the crazy anti-God crowd. Listen, following even just the quote-unquote general mass of what's called Christendom can be really scary. This isn't about trying to run with the herd. It's about following your Lord. Do you hear the difference? And the people are the ones that saw that Moses delayed from coming down the mountain. Can I say that time will always be a challenge to you? You say, I trust God. And God says, well, then let's make you wait. And you're like, well, I trusted God yesterday, but the bills do today. I goes, where's your faith? How many times has time really been the greatest challenge to your faith? It's been 40 days. 40 days. And here's the funny part. Moses is on his way down now. And they're like, oh, I don't know where this guy is. I am so tired of looking for him. And this is what happens when your eyes are not on the Lord, but they're all you know, going, well, wait a minute. The church hasn't met this need yet, or this person hasn't addressed this issue yet, or, this, or we're waiting for this to happen or that to happen, but we're going to sit here and we're going to wait for somebody else to fix the problem. And then look at how it happens. We'll see it here. It says, the people, they, they notice that Moses isn't coming down yet. So you kind of walk up and you look, the cloud's still there. It isn't like God's gone. And then like you look and go, well, the cloud's still there. I just don't see Moses. Because Moses somehow has now gotten front row and God's sort of in the back, in the cheap seats. And so we're waiting 40 days. He doesn't show up. And finally the people gather together to Aaron and they say to him, come, make us gods that will go before us. I am so tired of waiting for Moses. But listen, here's one of the problems, is that when you pray and when I pray, sometimes we don't even give God an option to actually answer like He wants to. We'll say, Marcia will meet two guys, and they're both kind of cute. Well, not Marcia, Larcia. We'll meet two guys, and they're both kind of cute. Neither of them really loves the Lord. And she says, Lord, um, should I marry this one or that one? And she doesn't hear from the Lord. And she goes, well, no, 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 Lord, Really? This one or that one? Come on. I've only got a small pocket here before they lose interest. Come on now. 
They're starting to cool. I think I got them hooked in. I'm, I'm drawing them in. Come on, Lord. This one or that one. And she didn't give them like a neither. Did you notice that? And we could do that. Lord, is it this or this? And God says neither. Lord, where do I, should I go here or should I go there? Which one, God? This one or that one? Well, stay wasn't an option. By the way, rest wasn't an option. So he said, oh God, please, you've got to tell me. We're getting to that point, the fork in the road. God says, I didn't even tell you to drive. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. Which is it? Left or right? Left or right? God says, stop. And you're like, I can't hear that. Left or right? God says, stop. Left or right? Stop. Left or right? Stop. Okay, I'll go left. God, why are you punishing me like this? Right? Or one of my favorites. I'm praying, but God hasn't answered my prayers. Well, what are you praying? I've been praying for an iPhone. And you haven't gotten it. I think God's answered your prayers. Oh, no, 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 he hasn't. I didn't get the iPhone. That sounds like a definitive answer. I'm praying to the Lord. God, give me this. And God says no. And you're like, I'll just wait until you say yes. I know that's your answer. Really? And you know what happened? Our eyes are off the Lord and they're on our own agenda. And when that happens, beloved, we can actually stop resting because we've forgotten that He really is all we need. And when we forget that He's all all we need, hey, look, if He's all we need, you don't need me. And to be honest, look, that does not break my heart. I don't mind being wanted, but I really am not fond of being needed. Does that make sense? Because I would rather know that you know. I'd fail you if you think, well, what I need is Pastor Tony. No, what you need is Jesus. I'm not going to fix you. Just as much as a bus isn't the answer. It just helps get you to where you need to go. Imagine if it is that, that, let's say, leader is really, really ill, and leader needs to get to the hospital. Leader walks onto a bus that on the front of it says, you know, Royal Free Hospital, and he walks on the bus and he goes, I'm ready to be fixed. And they're like, sit down. And they're like, I didn't say that. I'm ready to be fixed. They said, sit down. You'll be at the hospital soon enough. No, 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 no. I want it now. No, this is a bus. This is not a hospital. This is a bus. This is a bus. That's a bus. That's a bus. That's a bus. And that's the beauty. You're a bus. That's the beauty of it. Someone says, fix me. And I'm like, "Mm, sit down and wait. You'll get to Jesus. And he'll fix you. He's the great physician. Now, listen. The people are like, look it. Make us a God that will go before us. What does it mean to go before us? Let me show you. Lamina. Elder. I need her to go before me. Now, there's a few reasons. Here's one of them. Fight my battles. Fight my battles. <laughs> Thank you. See, they were shaking in their, in their feet. I didn't want to say pew because that's kind of weird. But um, Here's another one. Solve my problems. I'll wait here. Go before me. Solve my problems. Right? Here's, here's another one. Represent me because I think your face would look better on a stamp than mine. You know, everybody, this is me. Right? Have a seat. Thank you. Have a seat. Thank you. Now listen. This is what they're saying. We need, a, we, need, we need a God that we know. We need something we can touch. 
We need something we can touch that can fight my battle. Because I don't know about this God fighting my battle thing. We need something that we can touch that can solve my problems. Because you know, I know theoretically God could solve my problems, but how is he going to do it? And you know, we can manipulate it in such a way that we actually try to pretend like we're actually being holy when we do it. You're single and you're like, I know God is going to, he's the one that will keep me from ever being lonely, but the way he's going to do it, he's going to find me a man. You're like, huh, funny. I don't think that's actually the way that God wanted to do this. Now, I'm not telling you you're going to die single if you're single. Shouldn't either way. Hear me on this. If you know Jesus Christ, you ain't dying single because you're already engaged to the one who knows everything about you and will never leave. How good is that? If you discover, when we discover other things about us, we would leave us. But he isn't. Praise God for that. Say, look at I need this thing. I need this thing to go before me. Because I'm so tired of it. I'm tired of trying to figure out how God's going to do it. Look, here's the great thing. You don't have to figure out how God's going to do it. Have you figured that out yet? Because he tells us the thing that we can quote, but we don't do. And that is to lean not upon our own. I'm sorry, I know there's more than three of you in here that know that verse. Lean not upon your own what? Yeah, dang it, right? You know what that means? That means stop trying to understand it. Acknowledge him instead. So do you remember what was right before that? Trust. Trust in the Lord. He doesn't just say stop, just be stupid and stop trying to think, figure things out. He says trust in the Lord because he actually knows what he's doing. You ever watch or hear about people who got into accidents because the person that wasn't driving tried to drive? No, 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 go left. I said go, go, go left. Okay, fine. Right? All right. Pull in the... Wait a minute, you're not driving. I know where I'm going. Please hear me on this. Please. I believe there are people in this room right now, and God wants to speak to you right now. He's going, listen, stop trying to tell me what to do because you think you figured it out. I'm not asking you to tell me. I'm asking you to trust. I'm not asking you to guide me and wait for me to catch up with you. I know where I'm going, and my plans for you are to give you a future and a hope, to bless you, not curse you. What are you doing? And you're like, God, this is my plan. And God goes, that is so awesome. Yeah, love your plan. Now, let's get to what I have planned for you. And you're like, God, here are my choices. A, B, C. And God says, I say D. And you said, I didn't give you a D. And God said, exactly. But according to my understanding, I mean, God, you're, it's a busy day. I know you're ruling things elsewhere. You've got some stuff. I thought I would do you a favor and figure it out for you and just give you a couple options. And God's like, thanks for all that wasted time. Now let's get to what I want to do, which is bless you so much more than that. Notice it says, we want a God that will go before us. And it says, as for this Moses, we don't know what's come of him. Oh, yeah, our eyes are on him again. Remember that? That's the problem. We've lost our focus. And when that happens, hope gets handed off. But let me remind you, hope is the substance, or I'll say faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, here's our next little step, and we're going to move quickly through the rest of this because we've had to lay our foundation. Verse 2, he says, Break off the golden earrings that were in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. Now, 
let me ask you something. You don't have to be really smart to figure this out. What were we for 400 years? Slaves. Now, how many slaves do you think there are with bling bling? People go, oh, those were, that's what they got when they were slaves. Yeah, because I could imagine Egypt just went, welcome. Now that you're a slave, here's a Rolex and here's some gold earrings. Gold earrings, really? So when did they get those? On their way out. Remember, he said, you know, strangest thing, you've been a, you've been a, a slave for 400 years, but on your way out, why don't you just knock on the door of those people that beat you up and said, hey, can I have some of your stuff? Now, which one of you thinks, no, that makes sense? No, no, really, just try it. And okay, now, someone, and there's always one in the camp that will try something like that, that's normally like me or like Chris or someone like that. It's like, yeah, okay, what have I got to lose, right? I mean, can I have some stuff? And like you're walking out, you know, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, this is, did you check this out? The guy just gave me a grand piano. Oh, wait a minute, check this out. Okay, now, once one guy does that one place, you're combing the neighborhood. Let's be honest. Right? You're not, I'm probably going to tell my friends for the first neighborhood, right? I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, Chelsea. I'm hitting Chelsea, going to, going to Hampstead. And maybe I'll tell, I'll tell, you know, I'll tell Kiki, I'll be like, by the way, I hear that some cool things are happening in Brixton. I'll send him like over down there. I'm like, I'm going to go ahead up Chelsea, right? I'm like, you know, wait a minute. I'm going to walk over and, you know, hi, you know, your highness. What you got? Um, and you, and, but see, like somewhere down the line, these are permanent earrings. Did you notice he didn't say unclasp then? These are things that actually have to be permanently set in your ears. And this is the thing. All of a sudden, you walked out. But you know, those people that wore those, those were things that were implements of this worship that people did to these deities. And here's the point. Here's the hint before the fall. Before we get to the cow is when we stopped resting. Does that make sense? And when you stop resting, you get restless. Does that sound weird to you? When I stop resting in the Lord, I get restless. And here's the second one. Man, when I take the old world with me, I get worldly. Is that strange? You ever meet people and like they love the Lord somewhere here, but then you start talking to them and you're like, wow, that conversation just made me feel very worldly. But I know they love the Lord. This is what I find really interesting. Those people also got bracelets. We know that. Remember with Joseph, when he fled, he had bracelets that were, I mean, there's a lot of Egyptian apparel out there. But I don't think it's, I think it was very, very specific that God said, that he noted here that he said, break that stuff off your ears. And listen, listen. And I don't mean to offend, I mean to challenge. And me too. And to say, you know where that old world was? It's in your ears. That's where it is. It's in your ears. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. I, ha- I need this. I'm an artist and I need this. Really, you need that gold in your ears, do you? Because that worships another God you're aware of. Those are tokens of things that worship other gods. To break them off so we can make a God that every one of us can touch instead of just going, all right, God, I just want to, you know, my little goldie cow. And can I just say one of the things is not if I, if, I, if I don't rest in the Lord, I'd get restless, but if I take the world with me, I'll be worldly. That just only makes sense, doesn't it? And I realize it's like, I look back and I'm like, but I still need this thing. It's in my ears, he's telling me. Well, and with that now, they've, and, and it just gets crazy. I mean, by next week when we see how Moses and Aaron deal with it, Aaron's going to be like, I don't know. I just took a bunch of gold, threw it in the fire. Out came this thing. You can see Moses doing, what? And you expect me to believe you. Break off the earrings that are in your ears of the wives of your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. It's all in the family. So the, work, so the people broke off the gold earrings, which were in their ears, brought them to Aaron. 
and he received the gold from their hands. He fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. A molded calf means he had to fashion a cast for to which to pour the gold in. Did you get that? And then it says, they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now let me ask you something. Who said that? Read it. Who said it? They. It wasn't Aaron. Did you notice that it was them? The same people that said, we're tired of waiting for Moses. Now let's do something about it. We need to help God out. Please hear me. We're almost done here. They have now handed over the leadership to a crowd of people that aren't looking at the Lord. And you know what they did? They rewrote history. Isn't that what they just did? Does that sound familiar to any of you? You hand the truth over to a bunch of people who don't have their eyes on the Lord, and they'll rewrite history. And this, I mean, is there any part of this that makes any sense to you? You just built something, and then you said, oh, this is the God that just got you out of Egypt back then before it was made? But remember, the Egyptians believed that something manifests this way. And what they did is they just took the old world with them. And when they took the old world with them, they took the old gods with them too. This is why God doesn't say, the person you are, I'm going to redecorate and refurbish. He says, the person you were is going to die. And I'm going to make you a new creation. Do you see how beautiful that is? God's like, I'm not, I don't want to just make you, I don't want to doll you up because you're a dead person before me. I'm actually going to make a new thing. Someone says, well, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. That guy died at the cross. Once a violent person, always a violent person. That guy died at the cross. Once a floozy, always a floozy. She died at the cross. Who you were died at the cross if you've accepted the gift of Jesus Christ. And now you're a new creation. That's not you anymore. And don't build your identity from your tombstone. You know what I am? I'm an ex this, I'm an ex that. No, let me tell you what I am. I'm a new creation. That's what I am. And you know, behind me doesn't look so good, but Jesus is there and that's what I'm going to look like more tomorrow. And I'd rather look there where I'm going than where I've been. Does that make sense? And to that I say, hallelujah. That's what I say. Hallelujah, because praise God, I ain't what I used to be. Praise God, tomorrow I won't be what I am today. God willing, I'll be even better. Next week... You get a better pastor. How cool is that? A week from then, two-week better pastor. And I'll actually have a better congregation. How cool is that? No, not because all y'all bad. Father, <laughs> we're almost done here. Now listen. So they say, this is the God that brought you out. How do you think God feels about this at this moment? They're rewriting history. There was a girl who got docked pay because God healed her. Because they realized, in the end, they're like, well, you must not have had the disease because, after all, you don't have it now. Isn't that amazing how that works? We're not going to rewrite history. It's called a miracle. Now, let me just say this. If you've accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, you're a miracle. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. You were guilty and filthy. And trying to say, I'm a good person. But you were filthy like me. And Jesus took that person and buried that person and raised up a whole new person that looks like him. That's a miracle. And someone's going to say, well, let me tell you what you were. And I'm like, I don't care about what I was. That person's dead. Why remind me of that? Let me tell you who I'm going to be. 
So when Aaron saw this, guess what happens? You start, by the way, if you cease to rest, you become restless. If you bring the world with you, then you become worldly. And if you drag the world with you, you drag the world's gods. So finally, what happens? It becomes your lifestyle. Now Aaron saw it. He looks and he goes, whoa, well, looks like that thing turned out pretty well. Look at that cow. Let's just build an altar. Now, if I see a real cow, I think let's build a fire too. But it usually involves eating it. There's the difference. Now, there's no worship involved in that. Just a happy man. Aaron saw it. He built an altar. He made a proclamation. He said, tomorrow, let's make this a religious event. So what happens tomorrow? You won't be, it's like traditionally, these people danced around naked. Now, they rose up early in the next day. They offered burnt offerings. Listen, notice it says they rose early the next day. You know what that means? They were excited about getting naked before a gold calf. They offered their burnt offerings, their peace offerings, which is basically a barbecue. And the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. So guess what happened? The whole thing turned into a free-for-all that said, Sin! That's what our new God is! Sin! That's not your new God. That's your old God you left back in Egypt that beat you up. The one that made you work seven days. The one that actually destroyed you. That gold that was in your ears, by the way, God was actually going to take, and He says, that's going to be used so that I could dwell among you. Remember, He's like, I'm going to want some gold from you guys. Now, why do you think God wanted that gold? I think one of the reasons is so they didn't worship it. Like, oh, no, no, no. We'd rush rather have it. And, what's, and it's going to be beautiful. You know what Moses is going to do? He's going to take that gold. He's going to grind it to powder. He's going to throw it in the water. And then he's going to make him drink it. You ain't worshiping it by the time you're done with it. He knows how to stop it. But listen, as we go to prayer now, when was the last time you were excited about something that involved God? My prayer is your answer is this morning was for me. Now, David said, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. When was the last time your heart got giddy about doing something you knew was sin? And you're like, but I shouldn't even want this anymore. But you've been dragging things from the old person that are dead and rotting, but somehow you're still trying to put enough perfume and makeup on them as if somehow they're not dead. Can I just say, my God's living and he conquered death. And my God loves you. He's not a slave driver. He's a lover. And he reinvented you and he poured forth on you purity and purpose. That's what he did. And he continues to perpetually make you a new creation. And he says, stop trying to work so hard for what I want to give you so we could actually rest together. Because when we rest, we could enjoy each other. As we go to prayer, beloved, let me ask you, are you resting? How are you resting? He says he gives his beloved rest. I've noticed none of you slept through this one. But also, let me ask you, what are you dragging with you? His yoke is easy. His burden is light. But if you drag the world with you, you're going to be worldly. And you're going to drag the world's gods with you. What's in your ear? What is it that's there? Is it something that reminds you of those old gods? That still praises those old gods? The gods of sex and power and importance by the world standards. Instead of a God who died for you, said, I'd rather die than live without you. Lastly, have you even accepted the gift of this God? You'll never earn the love of a God who wants to give it to you freely. That's grace. And that's the choice you get to make now. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much 
for the privilege of being able to worship you in this time through the study of your word. I thank you, Lord, that your, your grace is enough. Your grace is sufficient. I thank you, Lord, that the person we were got died. They died. So that the person we are is soft clay that continues to be molded into your image more and more with every breath. Less like Egypt and more like the land you have for us. And God, I just pray right now for every one of us, myself included. God, I pray that we could learn how to rest in you. To rest in a God who dwells among his people at the bottom level, not at the top of the mountain. That's just for him and Moses, for you and Moses. But you want a tabernacle where we can dwell among. And here's the most amazing thing to me, is that the cloud never moved, but our eyes did. And Lord, you've told us in Hebrews 12:1 because we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And Lord, I pray that our eyes could be on you. Not trying to get someone to be our proxy when God, you have done it for us through your son. Not some physical person, not some expert, not some thing, Lord, but rather you. I pray that our prayers could reflect that, Lord, where we don't give you an A and a B, but Lord, our heart would be as Jesus, you even prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. Because here's the crazy thing. The only person I know that loves me more than me is you. Thank you for that, by the way. You even know me better than I do. And I know your plans for me are so much better than mine. Thank you for seeing the big picture. Thank you for wanting for wanting me. Thank you for wanting us. And I pray, Lord, right now that we could learn to rest in you. Jesus, you told us that we were, if we would come to you even exhausted, even heavily labored, that you would give us rest. I ask your forgiveness for where we would bring in the world, drag in the world with us, and somehow be surprised when we start acting worldly. Forgive us, Lord, for where we've filled our ears with that of the old world. And I just pray, Lord, that we could love you right, like you deserve to be loved. And with that, Lord, what we want to become is more like you, Jesus. Not more worldly, but more godly. Please make us that. And I pray, Lord, that we would leave those gods of the world behind because you, and, and let you meet those needs, Lord, because you created us with a desire for importance and you showed us that importance at the cross. We were created with a desire for purpose and God, as we cling to you, we bear forth fruit. You've told us that you've come that we would bear fruit and that our fruit would, be, would remain and by, by that fruit, Father, you are glorified but we can't bear it on our own. We have to cling to you to, to see anything happen. And we can't even bear the fruit. All we can do is cling. Thank you for making it that simple. For our desire for companionship that you created within us. May you fill that gap completely so that every relationship we enter into is not from a state of need, but rather from a state of overflow. That we could serve one another and not suck from one another. And I pray right now as well, Lord, for every one of us, Lord, that we would find our, that our lifestyle would reflect this and not just our Sunday. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you've not accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, 
his death on the cross, and his resurrection three days later. I just ask right now, if you'd like to pray a prayer with me, I'd like to lead you in a simple prayer. I ask you to listen. And if you agree at the end, I ask you to say amen. And what you're saying is, I agree. Let those words be my words. Let that prayer be my prayer. So be it in my life. And here's the prayer. God in heaven, I confess to you, I am a sinner. I'm broken. I'm guilty. But you love me. That's what you said. You love me. And you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And that he rose again on the third day so that all of my sins could be paid for and that you could reinvent me. So I say yes. I say yes to the gift of Jesus as my ransom, as my payment, as my Savior, and as my risen Lord. Have me now. I'm yours. I'm at your hand for your reinvention. Your will be done in my life. I surrender to you now. In Jesus' name. And if you agree, I ask you to say, Amen.